Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, Utah Jazz do it again. They win. They beat the Cleveland Cavaliers 117-87. If you like blots and you watch that game, man, that was your game. The Jazz led by four after the quarter. They led by 13 at the half. That was pretty comfortable. It really felt like the game was over. It wasn't, but you knew it was going to be. And sure enough, in the third quarter, the Jazz outscored them 38-23, and it was over. It was it was all over. It was I think twenty eight points at that point. Uh, and I mean th- to analyze this game, there's really only one thing you can say, and that is Cleveland wasn't an NBA team. That was a G League team. They were just missing too much talent. They had too many random guys playing because somebody has to play the minutes. And it was just clear the Jazz were a much much better team that didn't play real well for six or eight minutes there at the start of the game, and then went on a big run and just took over. Uh, The Jazz ended up shooting the ball really well. A lot of guys made threes. Clarkson is uh, clearly on uh, on a roll right now. Five of nine from three for him. Uh, Bogdanovich got going. Bogdanovich hit some shots, and and they were wide-open shots. The Jazz, you know, they ran their offense, had good screens, and like I said, they weren't they weren't really playing a real NBA team, but Bogdanovich just needs to see the ball go in the hoop. You know, a little confidence. You need to, if you're a baseball player, you need to get hits. If you're a putter, you, if you're a golfer, you need to make putts. And if you're a, a basketball player, you need some shots to go in. Bogdanovich was four of six from three and six of ten for the floor, so good for him. Mitchell had 27 points. He was five of seven from three. Jazz, 24 three-pointers in the game. You know, they, they know they got a lot of shooters. They want to take a lot of threes because... If you got a lot of shooters, you ought to make some of these. 24 of 45, 53%. Whole fourth quarter was garbage time. Clear to the bench, play the third string guys, and uh, it was over. And they don't even have a back-to-back. They get to fly home from Cleveland. They get an extra day off, which I think when you've had a, a seven-game road trip, you know, six is long enough. And the Wizards have COVID issues inside their team. I don't know how many guys have it and how many guys are just contact tracing, but they're not playing tomorrow night or tonight. Um, the the Jazz game is off, and they announced that. And, you know, it's like we were talking about yesterday morning. If it's going to be off, they just need to find out before the plane takes off. That's the real key. Don't fly to D.C. and then find out the game's not happening and then have to fly all the way back to Utah. If you can't go, you're in Cleveland. Come on back to Utah from there. So they get a little extra time, and they play Atlanta on Friday night. And they're now 7-4. and four. And so 11 games into the season, they're now in a three-way tie for second place. They're 7-4, and four, as are the Suns, and as are the Clippers. And I think I'm leaving somebody out, aren't I? I don't know. Point is, there's a bunch of teams piled up at 7-4. and four. And... The Lakers won. They're 9-3. and three. They're a game and a half up. And so, uh, you know, the Jazz, the Clippers, the Suns, the Blazers, the Warriors, really the Mavericks too. You know, all the teams we thought, would be, that, that's the top seven in the West there. The Spurs, we'll see. I mean, mathematically, they're right there. Oklahoma City's not far away. The Nuggets lost last night. That was a surprise. Um, when are the Nuggets going to get it together? They got beat by Brooklyn. 122 to 116 in Brooklyn. And Kyrie Irving is out, and we know that. And uh, Murray gave him 20, and Jokic had 23 points and 8 rebounds and 11 assists and 7 steals. I mean, the Joker's just killing it. But the bench isn't what it was. You know, you, you lose three rotation guys, and I think Jeremy Grant's better than a rotation guy, but you lose three rotation guys, it's going to be a problem. Durant had it going. He had 34 points, made 12 of his 18 shots. 
four of seven from beyond the arc, six of seven at the line, and he had 13 assists. And he had nine rebounds, and they survived his seven turnovers. So, Brooklyn beat the Jazz, but then they turn around and do the Jazz a favor by beating the Nuggets. Nuggets are five and six. Two games behind the Jazz and the Clippers and that whole bunch of teams. So... That's where the NBA stands 11 games in. And for the Jazz now, have a little downtime. Maybe they'll actually get to practice. Who knows? And then they'll play Atlanta Friday, and they're at Denver Sunday. So the road trip wraps up as a 4-2 and two trip. We were anticipating the seventh game. Could they get to 5-2? and two? We'll never know. Remember, the NBA set the schedule. They only did the first half of the schedule. We don't really have anything past early March. So... They wanted to account for games that were missed and then try to schedule them in in a way that makes sense. So first half of the schedule is out. This Washington game will presumably get thrown into the second half of the schedule. I don't think that they're going to miss too many more games because we know from last year, you know, the goal was to make sure you play 70 games on the regional sports network so you get the full payment. Uh, so when they schedule a 72-game season, yeah, you might miss one or two, but you're not going to miss more than that because everybody wants the full payment. I mean, they're already losing out on luxury suite money and on ticket money and on concession money. And, of course, you sell a lot of jerseys and get a lot of merchandise money when you have a big crowd at a game. So you're taking a hit there, too. So no reason to take the hit on local TV also. So I expect this game will be rescheduled, but at this point, you know, we don't know when, but I would expect it would be. All right, DJ and PK, uh, some college football coming up next. Brett McMurphy joined our show yesterday, and he writes for Stadium. He's been at uh, different outlets over time, national college football writer, big-name guy, and he put the Utes 11th in his way-too-early top 25. Check the other way-too-early top 25s, the Sporting News, the Athletic, uh, SI, ESPN. Um, Utes mostly not in the top 25. And, you know, there's a lot of questions on offense. So why... And McMurphy put him at 11. We'll talk with him. And there's a few other issues in college football to hit as well. And we'll get to that next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK in the morning brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. Time to welcome Brett McMurphy back to the show, National College football writer and insider for Stadium Network. Brett, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Good. Uh, as we uh, entertained ourselves uh, looking at Twitter as Alabama finished demolishing Ohio State in the second half, the not the uh, way too early top 25s came out, and you caught our eye. You had Utah at number 11, kind of an outlier among the national media. A lot of these uh, way too early top 25s don't even rank the Utes. And curious what you saw in Utah that you have your expectations for them set so high. Yeah, well, I, I actually have five Pac-12 teams in my top 25, so I guess um, it's that East Coast bias since I live in Florida. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be hard for a lot of people that, that do these things to kind of get an accurate judge on the Pac-12, but specifically for Utah, um, you know, obviously Devin Lloyd coming back is big. Uh, some uncertainty at quarterback, but just you look at the power ratings of, of Utah and, you know, you can't, I don't think you can penalize Utah or any of the Pac-12 teams 
based on last season. And I think uh, the case with Utah and, and, again, the other teams I ranked in the Pac-12, Oregon, SC, uh, Washington, um, you know, if they had played a full season, I think people would look at them totally different coming into this, this year. And, you know, look, uh, the good news is, um, you know, I could be accurate. And bad news is I could <laughs> I could be really wrong. But, you know, I mean, these things are they're fun. But I kind of uh, – there's a, a friend of mine that works for the Action Network. It's a gambling site that does power ratings. And uh, he let me see his power, power ratings coming into the 2021 season. And I used that uh, as a jumping-off point for my preseason rankings. And I don't remember specifically where he had Utah, but uh, I believe they were no lower than, like, 13th or 14th in his power rating. So uh, I think you'll see Utah in a lot of top 15, top 20s. At least you should in one of these preseason rankings start coming out. Now it's one thing to, to start there, and it's another thing to end there. But obviously it's a good, good jumping-off point. Yeah, it certainly is, and uh, we would love it. Man, the more these local teams do good, the good, well, it is. It's good for business, obviously. Uh, as you list it, to me, when people put out their preseason stuff, it's basically who has the fewest question marks. And you look at defensively, uh, Utah has the fewest, uh, if you compare it to SC anyway, which is probably their main competition. ASU, I know you also have them up there, and, and they've got a bunch yeah. of guys coming back. I wanted to hit on the quarterback position, and obviously for Utah, that is a huge question mark. They went with a transfer last year. Rising gets hurt, put in another transfer in uh, Bentley, and he's already out the door. He didn't play like uh, anybody thought he would. And so now they're they're dipping their toe back into the transfer market. And you look at when they've had their best season in the conference in the Pac-12 since they've been in it is when Tyler Huntley was in his third year as a starter and he was homegrown, so to speak, Florida kid, but they recruited him as a freshman. Uh, What do you think of particularly Utah, but just in general, of teams going the transfer market for quarterback is a little bit dangerous as opposed to trying to develop one of your own? Well, I I think it's easy to make a blanket statement and say, oh, you know, no, you shouldn't do it. You should develop your own quarterbacks. Or, yeah, absolutely, go get a hired gun. Um, You know, obviously the best example of a school that has a tremendous amount of success for that is Oklahoma. I mean, they had, you know, Heisman guys that didn't – that were not recruited to Oklahoma. Uh, Baker Mayfield transferred. Kyler Murray transferred. Um, you know, Lincoln Riley did great. Spencer Rattler, this year's quarterback, is the first, uh, you know, freshman recruit that they've had started quarterback in a number of years. <clears throat> Excuse me. Obviously, Riley's done an unbelievable job. So I think it's becoming more commonplace now where you pick up guys. You know, you look at Georgia. They had JT Daniels from USC. And you just wonder if Kirby Smart would have, let him start the season, what a different year may have been for Georgia. So I think it can work out. I do know coaches, you know, there is a concern. If a guy's leaving somewhere, there's usually a reason. Sometimes it's a good reason. Sometimes it's not a good reason. So you obviously got to vet that information out. And if you're comfortable with, with the individual, I think it can work out for both both sides. And as we've seen, there's a record number of, of players in the transfer portal. Um 
I just wonder if all these guys are going to find homes. I don't think they are. That's unfortunate. But certainly if you're a quarterback and can play somewhere, <laughs> you're going you're gonna to find a spot. Brett McMurphy joining us, National College football writer and insider for the Stadium Network. Uh, it's Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson year after year. But it's not so much leagues dominating. I think there's a pretty good case that it's just a handful of teams winning every conference almost every year, just year after year piling on. Is there any chance in Indiana, a North Carolina, an Iowa State, a Utah, anybody is going to break ASU, anybody going to break through here and mix this up? Because we keep having the same conference champs. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, possibly for, you know, maybe a year or something that. Yeah, look, every you know what you said is is legitimate. I, I don't know if it's necessarily a concern, but it's a complaint among college football fans. Well, you know what? You can do something about it. <laughs> you can go beat them, but nobody's been able to beat them. And you know, you look at Alabama going into this year or last year, this past season, they had four of the top fifteen picks in the NFL draft. Jalen Waddle, their best offensive player, breaks his ankle in October. What happens? Last night they cap off arguably the best season in college football history with the best offense in school history. Um, and so now they're going to lose, you know, five more first-round picks. And, you know, there Alabama is sitting at one or two in all the preseason rankings. I think one team that you mentioned to keep an eye on is Iowa State. They have – they only lost a handful of starters. The Brock Purdy's back at quarterback, got Brees Hall, who's the – the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year, is back at running back. Um, you know, Matt Campbell obviously is a highly coveted coach, maybe will go to the NFL one day. Can they prove that they're not a one-year wonder? They got to the Big 12 title game. Can they, you know, kick down the Oklahoma door that nobody in the Big 12 has since Lincoln, Lincoln Riley's been there? But, you know, we'll learn, we'll learn early if Iowa State's a contender or pretender because they'll play Iowa in week two. And those guys have those guys have been playing since 1894. I remember it well. That was my freshman year in college. Not a bing. Um, but a bing. And uh, it's the first time that Iowa State and Iowa will meet when both teams should be ranked. So um, I think Iowa State's got a chance to break through. And for as far as Arizona State, you know, their offense is dynamic. And I guess the critics who said Herm Edwards wasn't going to work out, they don't look very bright right now. Um, and, and again, with the with the super seniors, the kids that are, seniors that are able to come back, um, you know, you've got a ton of high quality teams this year that are going to have a ton of returning starters. So, I think this could actually, if 2021 is formatted like 2019 was, and it's not like 2020, I think 2021 could be one of the best, deepest years of college football we've seen because of all of these players returning for an extra year of eligibility. So I'm wondering if it's a little bit of good news, bad news for Utah, or not for Utah, the Pac-12, I mean, the Pac-12, in terms of you think five teams, so almost half of the teams have an opportunity to be ranked, but you have nobody in the top ten. Well, it, it is it is, it is in a way because I think, unfortunately now, everybody – whether we like it or not, all the emphasis is put on the college football playoff. And, you know, there were years when Alabama was winning the national title, you know, in the last 10 years where Alabama was the dominant team in college football. 
the rest of the SEC really wasn't that good. But looking back on that, you don't people don't remember that. They just looked at it and say, oh, yeah, the SEC won another national championship. So I think the Pac-12, you know, at the, at the top will be as good as any of the Power Five leagues going five deep. The problem is if you if you played a five-team round robin with the other five best teams in another Power Five league, I think the Pac-12 would fare well. The problem is I don't know if there's that one team that is at the elite level of an Alabama, of an Ohio State, of a Clemson, of an Oklahoma. Maybe maybe there will be one that that emerges. And unfortunately, usually when you have that kind of depth like that, usually those teams beat up on each other, and then it makes it tougher to get to the college football playoff because you don't have you don't have an undefeated team. So it seems like the trend here is that uh, as everything's changed with technology the last 20 years, it's become uh, so much easier to recruit nationally. And so you no longer have to have the best players in the country in your region to have the best players. You can just go pluck a kid from Florida and a kid from Texas and a kid from California like it's some kind of um, all-star AAU traveling basketball team. And so you get this next-man-up phenomena where at Alabama where their next wide receiver up is awesome. Is this kind of a one-off that Saban is accomplishing here, or are we starting to see it at a couple other schools, and, and really five schools in the country are just going to get uh, – they're going to identify future NFL stars at 16, 17, and they're going to have them at 19 and 20. Yeah, and they, and they want to – you know, these kids now, you know, it's not like the 70s where Nebraska is, you know, was the only, only uh, team on TV on a regular basis, and they could recruit nationally and everybody else recruited locally. Now every game's on TV, so everybody sees everything. And, you know, so that obviously helps the, the teams that have having a, a lot, great deal of success now. But also on the flip side, you know, look, they, they can only sign 25 a year. So they can't sign everybody. So those ki- kids are going to go all over the country. So, you know, I think, I think bottom line is um, – Kids want an opportunity to play, whether that's at Utah, whether that's at Alabama, whether that's at Texas, wherever it may be. And uh, because every game is on TV, parents can see them play every game. They don't have to travel to every game to see them play. I think that obviously makes recruiting more national, like you said. Um, so obviously, the more you win, the more you know, the better selection, the better looking you are. <laughs> I guess when you're when you're out there. Uh, looking to pick up recruits but uh you know it doesn't mean you've got an automatic advantage some some kids look for a challenge to come in and and build something new or build a build a program up as opposed to just going somewhere where you know it's kind of uh everything's already been established Morgan Scali, defense corner for Utah, is very close to Urban Meyer, so there could be some type of uh connection there what are you hearing about Urban getting back in well, I, I knew if it, if it happened, it wasn't going to happen last night because he's certainly not going to upstage Ohio State. Um, I think it boils down to if he's offered the job. If he's offered the job, he'll take it. And, you know, there, obviously he will dip into his um, people that he's worked with at the college ranks. Um, it, it will be fascinating. The thing I wonder about is, you know, Urban, you know, health-wise – was really impacted by wins and losses at Ohio State. And from 
you know, a lot of people that I talked to, you know, every situation with Urban was kind of fourth and goal at the one, whether it was a practice, whether it was a film session or whatever. I mean, that's how intense everything was. That's great. Um, so now he's going to go from to an NFL franchise where, you know, he's going to lose more. If he does go, he's going to lose more games in one year than he lost in five years at Ohio State. And so will he be able to deal with that um, is a big question for me. But, um, you know, he's done a great job on TV, but he obviously wants to get back into coaching. And if the Jags are going to give him a shot, he will absolutely accept it. And you would think he would pick Trevor Lawrence, but we'll have to find out on that. Um, But it should be a fascinating uh, next couple of days um, to see ultimately what happens with Urban Meyer and if any other college coach or former college coaches uh, get any NFL jobs. I know everybody wants to be aligned uh, in college football with ESPN and the SEC now. His, uh, ESPN has pried away that, that one big game that CBS was showing every week, and the SEC is all locked up there. If I were running another league, and the Pac-12 has a TV contract coming up here, I think I'd be trying to get that time slot and say, put my conference in that every week. We will give you the best games. We need that level of exposure. Certainly the Pac-12 does, but I think you can argue the Big 12 does, whoever. But those guys are all lined up with ESPN and Fox. Is someone going to pounce on that, or is CBS just going to get out of college football? Because that seems like a, a time slot people should be gunning for, especially a league like the Pac-12 that complains about all the late-night games and, and their best games not being seen. Yeah, I'm not sure what the, uh, excuse me, CBS's strategy is. If they want to uh, replace that with, with other football games, um, or if they're just going to get out of it completely and, and put everything into put everything into the NFL, but but yeah, whether it's the Pac-12 or or Big 12 or whoever it is, um, yeah, I mean it would be smart to to get uh, get on CBS. It's a you know it's one of the big three networks over the air networks um, with cord cutting. I mean that I think that's still valuable. Uh, the question is, does CBS want to do it? But certainly the Pac-12. You know, like like the Big Twelve, they have to be you know creative in kind of how they get their product out there. And the Big Ten's got their TV deal coming up uh, pretty quickly, so I, the next few years is obviously going to be uh, pretty pretty instrumental in what happens down the road. All right, there is Brett McMurphy. When we come back, the best of the Jazz post game show next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 in the zone. The Utah Jazz get the win easily in Cleveland. They win by 30 against what really wasn't an NBA team. They were missing too many guys. They had to mix in too many G League and third-string guys and guys they would never play if they had any other choice. But if you're the Jazz, all you can do is beat the team that's in front of you. That was the team that was in front of them, and they won by 30. So... There you go. Check the box. It's another win. That's three in a row. They go 4-2 and two on the road trip, and it's time for the best of the postgame show. It's your Jazz Recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott with you. The Jazz beat the Cavs last night in Cleveland 117 
to 87. The Jazz played extraordinarily well against a very shorthanded Cleveland Cavalier team. Not uh, not a surprise the Jazz won big, but still played well while doing it. Shot 50% from the field, 53.3% from three. They had 24 makes. Of course, one short of the franchise record 25 they set earlier in the road trip against the Milwaukee Bucks. In fact, the road trip comes to an end with the Jazz 4-2. It was supposed to be a seven-game road trip with a game in Washington tonight, uh, but that uh, game was postponed thanks to uh, the Wizards not being able to fill an eight-man roster thanks to COVID-19 complications, so the Jazz are coming home at 4-2. and two. But last night, Cleveland, Donovan Mitchell with 27 points was just terrific. Incredibly efficient. 9-15 of 15 from the floor, 5-7 of seven from three. Jordan Clarkson had 21 coming in off the bench. Boyan Bogdanovich had a really nice game with 20 points on 6-10 of 10 shooting and 4-6 of six from three. Just a very good all-around game from the Utah Jazz to beat the Cleveland Cavaliers. So let's get you some post-game sound. Let's start with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Hey, Coach, I'm ready whenever you are. Yeah, go ahead. You can hey. start. Uh, Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV up first. Coach, this was the consecutive game that you've held opponents under 90 points. Uh, we talked about your defense ahead of this one, but how do you see it coming together? Well, you know, Cleveland was shorthanded, um, but I, I did think our focus was really good defensively. Uh, they made some shots at the end of the game, but I, I thought, you know, additionally we, we came out um, with a good mindset on the defensive end in the third quarter. So, um, you know, we just got to keep working on it. It starts, you know, with Mike and Donovan and those guys being up the floor, um, pick up points, pressuring the ball, you know, using their quickness, and that sets the tone for us. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Thank you. Just uh, kind of curious about when exactly you found out about uh, tomorrow's game uh, being postponed and, and kind of how that factored into uh, how tonight played out. Well, you know, we were aware that uh, of the situation and, and whether or not um, we would play tomorrow. So, you know, we were aware of that all day, waiting for a lot of the contract contact tracing to take place. Um, you know, it didn't factor into how we played the game. You know, we wanted to come out and play the right way. And, um, you know, it's the old adage, one game at a time. Brian Miller, KSL.com. Hey, Coach, uh, you got a chance, uh, an extended look at Mie tonight. What did you think of his minutes? Well, he, he's been he's been playing, you know, with, with Joe out. Um, he got in the game against Brooklyn and have, had a really a tough job guarding Levert. And uh, I know he takes a lot of pride in his defense. And you know, there was a couple plays tonight. Um, I don't know if you'd even call them hustle plays, but you know, when he got up and blocked a three-point shot at the end of the clock, and those are the kind of plays that can really be impactful in the game, particularly you know, if you're not playing extensive minutes. And I think when you get into the game like that defensively, um, you know, he was ready to shoot, and we want him to shoot the ball when he's open. And I thought he looked confident on that jump shot too. So, you know, as the course of the season goes on, you know, we're going to need guys coming off the bench and um, being ready to go. And, and he, he was focused tonight and did a really good job. Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Quinn, obviously you don't want to see games get postponed, but are you looking at this as kind of a silver lining of an opportunity for you guys to get some rest and kind of not have to do another back-to-back -back and get home earlier than you thought? 
Um, you know, I, I try not to approach it that way, Sarah. Um, obviously, you know, you're always grateful for rest when, when it comes during the season, particularly if, you know, you've had a stretch the way we've had. But um, we're just trying to, you know, stay in the moment, stay present. Um, and whatever happens, happens. It, you know, could have easily the game could have been played. And uh, for us not to look ahead, I think, is really the most important thing. And, you know, right now, I think all of us are glad to be getting on a plane, but, um, and going West instead of East, um, that said, you know, I think our mindset has to be, you know, get ready for the next game. And, um, you know, we, we played well tonight, we played solid and, uh, you know, you want to keep playing. There's coach Quinn Snyder as his team wins 117 to 87 over the Cavaliers in Cleveland. Let's now hear from some of the players. Let's hear from Jordan Clarkson going up against his old team last night. All right, let's see what we got here. All right, first up will be Tony Jones, the athletic. Sorry, hi, Jordan. Can you hear me okay? I assume yeah, yeah. you can. Okay, cool. All right, Tony Jones, the athletic. Um, you know, this is kind of a big quick picture question. How have you been able to you know, just kind of take what you do well, which is score um, and just kind of, you know, maximize it over, over the years. And, and, you know, to what, to what you currently are right now, um, which, which is kind of like the most efficient that you've been in your career. Uh, I'm just trying to, you know, find different ways to, you know, do it better. Like you said, uh, you're saying it's most efficient, but a lot of it comes with our system and the guys that's surrounding as well. Um, you know, we have a lot of shot makers, guys that put pressure on the defense, uh, makes the game easier for me as well. Uh, but to that point, uh, I feel like, um, you know, I made changes in terms of not taking uh, super tough twos um, that I did early on in my career. Um, and then kind of, you know, slowing down, letting the game come to me. Sometimes, you know, I still kind of push it to the limit and try to get in spots where, you know, sometimes I, I shouldn't be and, you know, I turn it over or it's a tough, you know, miss shot or they steal it or something. But um, trying to cut down on those plays and making the easy ones and letting the game come to me has uh, been, a, been a, a, a process for me that I feel like I've, I've made strides in. All right, Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV next. Building off of that, Jordan, um, talking with one of your former assistant coaches, he mentioned just, you know, that free-flowing style. And I just want to know how much, you know, for you, are you uh, just being present? Um, how big of a role that's playing and maybe taking the thoughts out of it, less thinking, more just instincts? Um. Well, that's a big thing, too. Um, like you said, being present, you know, coming into a game, um, not thinking about, you know, really anything, knowing that it's a new uh, new game, new opportunity to go out there and, and play and, you know, make my impact on the game. So I'm always present um, when coming in and checking in the game and trying to make an impact. So I feel like... You know, that's that's been a big thing for me, not thinking about the next shot, not thinking about my last shot, uh, just staying there in the game. Even if it's turnover, any bad things that happen, I'm I'm still locked in on uh, what I'm doing. All right, Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. Jordan, you guys came out with a nice effort tonight. You kind of didn't let Cleveland have a chance. What's that like? Do you believe in the idea of playing down to your opponent or playing up to your opponent on a given night, and how do you avoid that? Uh, just to 
keep continuing executing. Um, I think we've we've done that uh, at times. Um, but you know, it's the NBA. You know, guys. You know, twenty point leaders and nothing. Teams ain't just gonna lay down for you or nothing like that. And it's not where you know we playing down to our competition. I feel like every every team comes out there to compete and try to win. But uh, you know, sometimes I feel like we do get lackadaisical with the ball. We turn the ball over and lose focus at times. But um, as we cut those things down, I feel like uh, we, we're going to become a better team. You know, starting this road trip, um, I think we made steps. Um, and continue to 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 lay those um, foundations down and and keep taking steps in the right way. Jordan Clarkson, who was just terrific, twenty one points, eight of fourteen shooting, five of nine from three. He also had eight rebounds and four assists. Talk about his better uh, talked about his better shot selection uh, being a key for uh, for how he's playing right now, which uh, you know statistically is the best he's played in his career. All right, let's uh, let's move on. Uh, let's now let you hear from Mie Oni. Got first question from David James, KUTB. So how different is it getting into a, into a game where you know Joe's out and there's going to be more minutes available and, and you know there's quite a bit of playing time as opposed to just, you know, popping in for a couple minutes at the end of a game? Uh, I go with the same approach. Usually I just try to just play hard in any minutes I'm given, whether I know I'm probably going to play or if I, if I have no clue. I mean, I just want to stay ready. So it's tough, but I focus on just staying ready every single game. All right, next up, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. I mean, it's, it's kind of a cliche, but a lot of guys in their second year talk about the game slowing down for them, you know, just as they kind of acclimate to the speed of the NBA. What's gotten easier for you as, as you're going along? Uh, just the overall feel of the offense and um, playing with a lot of the rotation guys has been easier because I've, I've done it, been able to do it more and get more reps. So I think I'm just going to keep getting better as time progresses. All right. Uh, we have a follow-up from David James. Uh, can you assess how you played tonight? What, what kind of game do you think you had? Uh, I thought I played hard and uh, did some good things, especially defensively. I always feel like there's room for improvement, but it's a good start. And a follow-up from Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Yeah, can you kind of take us through what your reaction was? Don was saying that you guys kind of learned about tomorrow's cancellation, like in immediately before the game started. Can you kind of just take me through like what the emotions were of, of seeing, you know, the COVID situation kind of come into contact with this team again? Uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy, but a lot of crazy stuff has happened this year. So it's, it's not really surprising, but it still is. It still is crazy, though. For sure. And Ben Anderson, KSLsports.com. Me, I'm sure it's not where your head's at right now, but a lot of the guys on Instagram were pubbing that you had an album that, that came out. Can you give us some background on just what, what the history of that is and, and what it is? Uh, yeah, that was that was supposed to be under wraps, but uh, it's just a hobby, though. But, yeah, they were posting it. But, yeah, I'm just focused on the season, though. So that was just – What name just, did you go by on the album? Uh, TGF Prince. And how long have you been doing that? Uh, I've always been writing, whether it's like poems or essays. I just started writing songs, writing songs like 15, then started recording during quarantine. I just literally just work out and do that. So just a fun little hobby when I'm not playing basketball. 
Mie Oni played 18 minutes last night in Cleveland. He had six points on two of four shooting, three rebounds, two assists, and three block shots as he was very, very active uh, defensively. All right, let's now hear from George Nying. All righty, we'll start with Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Hey, George, you've kind of had offensively a little bit of a bump in the road lately over the last few games. Was it nice to kind of get things together tonight and feel a little bit back to normal? Oh, you have no idea. Yeah, no, it obviously, you know, it feels good to see the ball go through the hoop. That's for sure. Um, so I'm, I'm happy that that happened, but I'm more ecstatic that, you know, we came out and, and closed out a team from start to finish uh, like we did tonight. I think that was a heck of a win uh, for us, especially on this long road trip getting towards the end of it. Christian Kenny, Jazz TV. Part, part of closing out that team from start to finish, George, uh, your defense, and we saw it carry over from the defense we saw in uh, Detroit. Where do you guys feel that you're at defensively? Um, you know, I think we're just taking it one day at a time. You know, we're trying to, you know, impose our will uh, defensively uh, night in and night out. Um, you know, this season, sometimes we've had some lapses. So that's been a real focus of us going into every game, making sure that we're defending uh, at a high level. So, um, you know, the Detroit game, we started out really defending and kind of had some lapses um, late in that game where they made a comeback. So I think it's been, you know, um, a point of emphasis with coach, you know, to start the game and finish quarters real well defensively and especially starting the third quarter um, well defensively. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, George. So we're talking to Joe this morning and, and he's telling us, you know, how this is a season where guys are going to have to be flexible because situations are going to come up and sure enough right before tip off you get the news that that tomorrow's game is postponed because of washington's contact tracing can you kind of just take me through what goes through your mind in that moment just kind of what the immediate visceral reaction is um you know you just got to be in the moment be where your feet are um and that's kind of the message that coach has uh, relayed to us, you know, he started right when the season started or, or training camp, you know, there's going to be a lot of outside distractions that we have no control over, but we can just be in today and, and be in the moment and control what we can. And uh, I think that's what all of our guys are doing. Um, you know, you talk about, you know, unexpected things happening. I mean, nobody, you know, expected expects, you know, guys to be missing because of, anything but you know COVID is a real thing right now so we have to be prepared for anything whether if it's two minutes before tip off or an hour and a half you you kind of just have to be present and be ready to go and uh, these guys uh, these coaches out here do a really good job of keeping us all prepared and, and well informed Sarah Todd uh, Desert News with a follow-up George, you were talking about how nice it is to see the ball go through the hoop. What, what kind of has been going through your mind lately? Has it been anything that you've been able to see on film, like the way that you're getting your shots, or have you just been in your head maybe? You know, that's a very good question, but I, I think I can laugh at myself, you know, now, especially, you know, when you have a night like this, you know, hopefully you can continue it. But, you know, just – like I just talked about, just being where my feet are, just being present, not overthinking things. You know, for the first time in a while, you know, I sat in my room and just closed my eyes and just was tried to be present. And then I turned on Michelle Branch, breathe, and 
everything just seemed to get a little better. So, um, yeah, I just got to be relaxed. You know, sometimes you get a little worked up and, and you want to make things happen right away, but I, I can't forget what got me to where I am today. And that's, you know, being a team player and, and making things happen and letting the game come to me. I got to ask, are you being real about the Michelle branch? 100%. You think I'd lie to you? <laughs> All right. We have time for one last question from Chris and Kenny jazz TV. Kristen, I think you're still muted. My phone was frozen. Sorry. I just wanted to follow up on that because just to get something uh, kind of just random, not outside of the game. Um, are you, do you guys, do you meditate like every day? Is that like a, is that becoming a part of your game day ritual? Um, you know, I, I was trying to do it earlier uh, in the year, but um it, it wasn't working. So I found a, a new a new method today. I'm more relaxed. I can't give away my secrets, but yeah, I would say, you know, a nap slash meditation, you know, you kind of just want to relax and be, like I said, be where you are. And I think I had a great day of, of preparation on this long road trip today. So I was excited about it. And, uh, I'm even more excited that, you know, we won and, uh, and we get to go home to George Niang, 14.6 of 11 shooting, two of four from three, breaking out of his uh, shooting slump. He had uh, five rebounds as well and said uh, Michelle Branch's song Breathe was very helpful to him. Go figure. All right, let's wrap things up here and from Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, go ahead, Christian. Um, I was talking to Vince Lagarza at half, and he credited a lot of the second unit production to Derek Favors' presence in the paint. What is the impact that he's bringing? I think just another, you know, another big body running the floor, blocking shots. You know, he was under, he was all over the place tonight, getting boards, communicating. You know, that same thing that Favors always done, but now he's doing it at a higher level. It's easier when you you come back and you know the offense, you know the system, you know where you're at, and he's doing a hell of a job. Uh, Got to give him credit. You know, understanding for being trapped if they're switching on offense, on defense, being there blocking shots, grabbing rebounds, just being an energy guy and being there for us and doing all the little things, and um, that doesn't go unnoticed. Um, and I think that's one that definitely needs to be to be brought up because it's something that we we really appreciate. We'll go uh, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey Don, just kind of curious as to when you found out kind of the the news about tomorrow's game and and what kind of impact that has in terms of you know how tonight played out and just going forward, you know, if, if it's an opportunity to you know not have a second night of a back-to-back to be able to get home a night sooner, that kind of thing? Um, I think I found out right before the game, like right before we ran out. Um, I think that didn't really have an impact on, you know, tonight. I think we came out with the same focus. Um, uh, personally, I think the biggest thing is just got to continue to be safe, man. Like, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's 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 around. You know, it's something we can't ignore. But, you know, if it happens, we got to just continue to be safe and, um, you know, just making sure guys are as healthy as possible. You know, just socially distanced, doing what you have to do, keeping our mask on. Uh, this thing's unpredictable. Uh, so you can't really, you know, come in and say, oh, we did everything right because, you know, we can do everything right and, and something still may go uh, haywire, as you saw. But I think the biggest thing is just continue to stay locked in on, on the, on the uh, task at hand, you know, and just 
focusing in, like I said before, I think I said it yesterday or two days ago, that just being unselfish, you know, like I said, I don't have a family that live with me, but you know, other teammates too. So just continuing to, to be unselfish and not just being safe for myself, but for my teammates, for my coaches, uh, trainers, uh, but that's, that's really all you can do. Um, but as far as the basketball part of it goes, just continuing to stay locked in as much as you can. It's a weird time, but you know, we also have a job to do as well. And so we're doing it. Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Oh, no question from Sarah. All right, we'll go with uh, Ryan Miller, KSL.com. Hey, Donovan. Um, long road trip. Did you learn anything about your team that you didn't know before? Um, I think we realized what we have to do. Um, I think it was something that, you know, when we played that little that little homestand, we, we, we kind of just skipped over the little details, and that's been something I've said since last year. And now we're locking in on them. You know, we had a embarrassing, you know, two games in New York, you know, and then we came out and, and these next – for the past three that we had have been really solid on both ends of the floor. And I think that's just how we're supposed to respond. You know, you can go one of two ways at that point. And, you know, we did exactly what we're supposed to do if we want to be the team we want to be. Um, so this isn't necessarily a surprise. I think for us, it's just continue to do what we do and, and do it well and do it for as long as the season goes, you know, and, and into the playoffs. Like, that's that's our mindset. You know, we can't sit here and say, like, yeah, we did it for the last three. We finished this road trip you know, with a winning record. I think the biggest thing is like, look, this is who we have to be. This is who to be every night. You know, there's no let-ups. And if we want to, you know, win a championship, like that's that's the team we have to be. And that's pretty much where all of our mindsets should be. And I think that's where we're at. We'll go Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Donovan, when it's the fourth quarter and you guys are up by 30, I mean, kind of, uh, I know Quinn has you in the game to kind of, maybe is almost kind of a practice situation where you get some live action and, and get to try some new things. How do you approach it yourself? Zero, zero. Um, gave up a layup. We, we gave up a 5 0 run. I think it was coming right into it. I stunned on the ball, and you know, when I stunned, this guy's with that my back, and I'm not supposed to stun as far. Like that's where your mind should go. That's where my mind is. Um, you know, I'm not not looking at it as if we're playing. You know, the game we're playing, and we're up 30. Like I'm looking as if we play. We play next, like the Nuggets or the the Hawks. Like you know, you know, we can't leave Trey Young. You know, who's the, who, who would be Yogi Ferrell in that instance? If you if you catch what I'm saying, can't leave Trey Young wide open because that's a three. You know, that's where my head goes. That's where I think a lot of our head goes because, you know, we're able to get away with certain mistakes tonight that we'll be able to get away with when we play the Hawks or when we play um, the Nuggets or whatever. I mean, so that's where my head goes, uh, being able to focus in on those details because, like I always say, the little details are, you know, what, what kind of messed us up down there in the bubble. Uh, so it doesn't matter for up 40, 50, just coming in and working on the little things that help you become a better player and a better better team as well. Donovan Mitchell last night, uh, terrific. 27 points, 9 of 15 shooting, 3 rebounds, 4 assists for Donovan as uh, he uh, he plays very well on this road trip and the Jazz come back 4-2 after 6 games on the road. Uh, next broadcast is going to be Friday night. The Hawks are in town. Game time will be at 7 o'clock. Pre-game begins at 6. There's the best of the post-game show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. The Nuggets going down to defeat. We'll get to that next. Stay with us.